Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to the In Between Whistles. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And this is another Between the Whistles podcast. Now, we are talking the Lions in this episode. Why do we keep talking the Lions? Because you gotta talk the Lions. Because everyone is crazy about football. Did you see the did you see the TV ratings? Well, I, I was busy watching the game, so I mean I was watching it, but uh I don't know what the Lions have to do with uh, the Super Bowl because they're about as far removed from the Super Bowl as, you know, Michigan is from an 80-degree day right now. <laughs> That's not nice, Cindy. That's not <laughs> nice. But the, the, the city of Detroit ranks second in the entire country in watching the Super Bowl. Right, because they wanted to watch a winner, and they saw their former, what I would call, native son or adopted native son Finally getting a shot that's the closest the Lions are ever going to get to a Super Bowl is a former QB being in the Super Bowl. That's it. That's why we were watching it, Joe. We don't, you know. No, I I think this is a football state. Oh, we're a football town. I'm not saying that we're not. I'm just saying, why do we have to talk about the Lions? I don't think this is the only time that they'll be close to the Super Bowl. I mean, let's be honest. They're on the right track to be successful. You've had this same idea for a while now, and I gotta tell you, I bought into it. At first, you know, at the beginning of last season, I bought into it. I thought you were right. So you, you had you, me sold. You bought, you bought into it too early because here's the reality of the situation. Remember last year, I was telling you to cool your jets about uh, the, them being a potential potential playoff team. Remember, I told you. I don't recall that. Yeah, I told you to chill your role because they were not going to be a playoff team because. They're rebuilding. They are not even close to the talent level of the Rams, Bengals, the Chiefs, Bills, Buccaneers. So what do they do to get that? Do you think they got to spend more money or what? I mean, Chris Spielman was quoted as saying, you know, when he looked at the linebackers, he said they were all awful. So, I mean, where do you start? Do you start with a linebacker? Do you start with a QB? What do you have to do? See, this this is what Detroit Lions fans, they don't really understand, is you basically ripped this down to the studs, right? And you are just rebuilding that house because you just destroyed it. Black mold everywhere. (laughs) Cat piss everywhere. (laughs) Dog feces everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's just, it's just just a pile of ruckus. It sounds like, it sounds like nowhere I want to be. I don't even want to be in that neighborhood on that street anywhere near a house that sounds like and looks that, like it's, that it's like that one that you like you see in the movies where the windows are shattered out it's like it's like leaning to one side i'd rather be in a neighborhood with dead people which by the way that happened that in my actually, old neighborhood that, that actually did happen to you i know and it just like yesterday or right, whatever right down this right down the street from you isn't that something where i used to live I think I think we moved out of the neighborhood just in time. It's only a couple miles away from you. Well, you know, I, but the good news is that we've got some of the best law enforcement and detectives and officers anywhere. I'll put our guys up against anywhere, anyone in the state, and uh, they're they're gonna they get this thing you know figured out. And um, special so. shout out to Chesterfield. Police Chesterfield Police, they're some of the best. There's no doubt about it. And um, so they're, they're going to get this thing figured out and get it solved. But at least it's not the house of the lions that you've described. I mean, I'll take that over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you see, what people don't understand is, like, people blame the Fords, right? They blame the Fords because they either don't know how to run a team or they 
or don't care. I don't even think the don't care thing is because you wouldn't own a team if you didn't really care, you know? Even the even the owners that really don't care, one of them was in the Super Bowl this, this year. Sam Conkey. Yeah. I mean, that, okay. He is the owner of the Colorado Avalanche. He is the owner of the LA Rams. Mm-hmm. He's the owner of the Arsenal in Premier League. And he's the owner of the Denver Nuggets. Now, usually you would know your star players, right? So when he was asked, Who's your star? What do you think about your star center this year for the Colorado Avalanche? He replied, Matt Duchesne. <laughs> Matt Duchesne plays in Nashville. Right. <laughs> yeah. Matt Duchesne hasn't played with the, 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 the Colorado Avalanche in years. Maybe he misunderstood the question. He wasn't even close. <laughs> I'm trying to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. You know, I mean, he, he probably wasn't even close. he owns all kind of stuff, and he was preoccupied with the Rams this year. Which, by the way, we're going to talk the Super Bowl too. But let's talk about the Lions and getting the Lions closer to the Super Bowl. We, you know, there's some elements that we think we've got in place. I, I agree with you on this. I think, I think the front office is uh, great. I think the, I, the coaching staff. I think Dan Campbell uh, has a, just a ton of heart. And you've got a guy who's committed. He's yeah. got buy-in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's so important. Um, you know, Brad Holmes. I mean, you've got those two guys that work so well together. I, I think that is a piece of the puzzle that they have. Yeah. Uh, now the rest is a shambles. I think the most underrated thing that they did, and I wrote about it on the Detroit Lions News, you know, which we're affiliated with, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, like, so I wrote a thing. It took me three weeks to gather all this information, and I put it down. So they hired Spielman because Sheila Fortham, she talked to the Illigers. She asked him, like, what's your method to be successful or whatever? And they told her verbatim, you got to find people who know the game more than you because you don't know the game. You don't, You just don't. Yeah. You're an owner of a team, but you don't really know the way to win them. You know, sure. To create a successful team, you know, like they'll just like they they have the Red Wings, okay? The Red Wings are always they're coming back to prominence really, really quickly because Stevie Y is a a mastermind. Yeah, he's the boss. But they but way back when when they were the Dead Wings, they hired Jim Delano, who knew what he was looking for. He was an accomplished guy, knew knew hockey more than anybody, and they hired him. Then they hired Kenny Howe. And they hired all these guys, and it just became a it came became a avalanche of success because they hired the right people, they put the right people in in charge. And a lot of people they look at Sheila Fortham like, okay, well she doesn't really care, which is false because she hired Chris Spielman because she was sick of not knowing what she doesn't know, you know. And I think that's one of the reasons they hired Brad Holmes and they hired Dan Campbell is because when I was talking to these guys, they were saying, you know, Dan, Dan Campbell was supposed to get the New Orleans job when Sean Payton retired, and he retired this year. Yeah. He was supposed to get that job. He was getting groomed by Sean Payton, who was one of the best NFL coaches in the NFL. And you got then you got Brad Holmes, who's coming over from the uh, LA Rams, which he picked half that team that was playing Sunday. So you look at that, and then you look at they hired a guy in John Dorsey who was, who was an accomplished general manager. They're a guy who was, you know, in the front office helping Brad Holmes. He's been there, done that. He's been a GM in Cleveland and Kansas City, which are two playoff teams, or near playoff teams. Yeah. They're just hiring the right people. So so how long is it going to take until they hire the right talent on the field? Is it a matter of just waiting for the right people to become available? Is it a matter of waiting until they have their opportunities in the draft? Is it waiting to, you know, do they need to put more money into it? You know, people for a long time criticized the Fords as being owners who didn't invest in their team. And I think that, I don't think Sheila Ford Hamp is closing the checkbook. So what, so they, what I, is it, I, Joe? I really, is it one of those things? Is yeah, it all really, of those things? I really, what? I really don't think that they, they've always opened the checkbook, okay? But they've had general managers who would try to band-aid a bullet hole by just spending money. You can't do that. It's even, you know, I like what Stevie White does, right? We know, we like what Stevie White does. We love Stevie White he, what he does. He gathers, He's a boss. He, he, he always likes this moniker of, I gather more picks so I have more, you know, chances at the at, at the lottery, right? 
So, which he keeps getting screwed on, by the way. Well, he's he's nailed it because he's nailed the rest of the draft. So he, he all those picks that he accumulated by trades by all that, he's getting them in PMs. And Brett Holmes is the same way. He's collected all these draft picks for the next two years, and they got twelve picks this year, eleven or twelve picks this year. And that's where you can draft all your players. That's where you can get better quickly. You're going to get better quickly by drafting your talent. Not signing your talent, drafting your talent. And then when you're good enough, then you can go open a checkbook and sign like a guy like... I think they're going to make some free agent you know, hauls this year. Because the NFL is easier to rebuild than the NHL or Major League Baseball or NBA. Yeah, and you've said that. And you've also said it can happen more quickly. So... They've got all these picks. They're in year one. They were in year one last year. That was their first draft. Yeah. ESPN ranked them as the sixth best draft class last year. That's pretty damn good. They had some really good talent that come, came from the draft. And they got two studs in that draft. They got Amarai St. Brown and, and Penn High School. Yeah. And they got two players that could potentially be studs in Lee McNeil and Derek Barnes. So you look at that, they got a lot, they got a lot to work with within draft capital. They got a lot of salary cap, so they can go make some signings, free agent signings. And you're going to start to see them get better. I, I think next year you'll start to see them be way better than they were this year. So who do the Lions get rid of? Who's the dead weight? Who do they got to get rid of in order to open up some spots? Trey Flowers, the guy that was a holdover from Patricia and Quinn era. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a good player, but he doesn't fit the system. He's rarely stays in the lineup because he's not healthy and he's just not usable and then another thing that's that um that Bob, i mean that brad holmes is going to have a little bit of a decision to make is does he pay tj hawkinson north of 14 million dollars a year like mark andrews got paid and if you're brad holmes it's a tough situation to be in because you don't want to commit that money to a guy that you can get better value elsewhere you know Right. I think so, too. I, I think, and I like TJ. You know, he's one of my favorites, yep. absolute favorites on this team. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I don't know if he's going to be looking for that kind of money. But if he is, I think that for what the Lions need, they can't afford to put that number into that guy because I think it's too limited in what they're going to get. And I, I, I think it's like this. It's like, you know, one of the things that's, you know, we go back to Steve Y because he makes some great decisions. But you know, since Steve Weisman, he made this, he made that the signing of a quick little cheap signing of Fabry. He re-signed Fabry to a contract. He re-signed Fabry to the contract, and uh, he said, "Okay, but you're gonna have to earn it." Basically, he set him up for, "You're gonna have to earn this because I'm not gonna just give you this money forefront." You know, a lot of GM, general managers in football, they either make the decision way too quickly and they they really just cost themselves in the end. But I really don't think Brad Holmes is going to do that. I think he's got a he's got a plan where he's going to get tight ends in the draft and he's going to he's going to replace TJ Hawkinson. That's what I think. Who do you think they're going to go after? What well, do you, or I'm, what do you think they're going to go after? If you can't tell me who exactly, what position do you think they're going to go after? And, and then I'm going to ask you how long you, I think you think it's going to take. Well, I think you're going to go in the draft. You're going to get an edge rusher. You're going to get a safety, potentially, if you don't get him a free agency. You're going to get a linebacker. You're going to get probably a tight end. You're probably going to get a, you're going to get definitely get a wide receiver because they need a lot of help at the wide receiver portion. Yeah. With Amon Ross and Brown. And you're going to get a lot of help because this is a deep draft of wide receivers, defensive ends, defensive tackles, linebackers. It's, really deep so they can really make headway because those are their weakest positions in the team. You think Jared Goff is worth protecting? Yeah, he'll he'll be here next year for sure. I think that you got to see what you have. Like the the quarterbacks in this draft are not good. So it's like uh it'd be a same old Lions mistake to go and draft a quarterback that isn't worth drafting. Yeah. I mean, Jared Goff is Probably better than ten out of ten of those guys. So you're gonna say build your defensive line instead. Build your defense, build your offense, get your talent to go. So then when you do if you do keep Goff, he has a team that can be ready to win. Or when you get a rookie quarterback, 
you're bringing him into a situation where it's ready made to win. You know, one of the things that, about Joe Burrow is, you know, when he came in the, the Bengals, they were not a good team. They were really not a good team. And they, they showed it a little bit in the Super Bowl. He was getting his ass beat on, on the field. Ten, like, almost 10 sacks, you know? That's the thing that you want. You don't, you don't want to have happen to your, your quarterback that's a young quarterback. They started, that's what happened to Stafford, and he never really recovered from that because the team... Until he went to LA and won a Super Bowl, but go ahead. <laughs> well, he had, that, that was a ready-made team. He went into right. Stafford went into a team that Brent Holmes was a big part of getting. The house that Holmes built. He, Cooper right? Cup, Cooper Cup was his guy. Brent Holmes drafted was the key part of drafting Cooper Cup, who was a Super Bowl MVP and Stafford's main weapon. He was the person who drafted Aaron Donald, who was another person who could have won a Super Bowl MVP. Those are the guys that he's he's a he's, he was the main portion of drafting. So let me ask you this, because I maintain that part of the magic of that Super Bowl was Matthew Stafford, and maybe we should wait for the Super Bowl segment to talk about this, but maybe a little, you know, a little precursor here. Yeah. Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup, that chemistry, okay? Mm-hmm. Those two guys just have amazing chemistry together, and I think that's where the magic was. Do you think that L.A anticipated that happening? Do you think they tested it? Or do you think they just got lucky? No, I think they anticipated it because Cooper Cup was good before Stafford. I mean, he was pretty much a guy who was going to the Pro Bowl. But obviously didn't have the chemistry with Jared Goff. I mean, he had the chemistry with Jared Goff. They, he played very, very well, but Cooper Cup emerged as a wide receiver. You know, Robert Woods was out this year. He tore his ACL in camp, and so they really didn't have a secondary wide receiver until they signed OBJ. And that was it. I mean, they had Van Jefferson, but, you know, when you put Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and OBJ together, he doesn't even make the top two. Yeah. Think about Cooper Cup that's the most kind of what you could look for with the Amorite St. Brown is you really can't teach smart people, you know? Like, you can't teach a smart player to be smart. If they're mm-hmm. dumb, they're usually dumb. But it's the reality of the situation is like when you're stupid, you can't fix stupid. Right. Isn't that the, the the age old you know saying is you can't fix stupid. But the thing about it is if you look, if you if you read the tea leaves, like the one of the things that Amara and Cooper Cup have in common is they're both smart. They know both know where to go. They both know where to position themselves to get open. That's you really can't teach that. You know that's someone that really is ahead of their their game because it's one thing to be athletic and make up for your mistakes when you're athletic. It's another thing to be really, really smart with what you do. Like Cooper Cup is a very, very smart route runner and the way he, he attacks and he knows what the defense is doing before they're doing it. I mean, that's things that he knows where to go for it so that the quarterback can pass him the ball and know he's going to be there every single time. That's what you want in a wide receiver. And when you got a guy like that, like, you know, the Lions having the same Brown. That's pretty much a gold mine because you know he's always going to be open. You think they're going to look in for – you think that the Lions are going to look for the same things in the draft? You think they're going to continue the same approach? You know, we talk about teams in Detroit, you know, being gritty and having a real uh, physical approach or a real aggressive approach. And I think we – you know, we mentioned on the show, too, that we saw the Lions seem to be heading in that direction – with their draft picks this yeah. year, you know they're tough guys. They're gritty. They're they're animals. You know they're they're rough and they're they're. Do you think they're going to continue in that direction, or do you think that they're going to change their approach? I think they're going to go with the same mindset because one of the things that you really love about players that play tough and they play gritty and they do all that is they're not afraid to mix it up. You know they're not afraid to put their body in on the line. You know. They're there to prove a purpose. I mean, there's a lot of players in the NFL who um, they just don't have the same tenacity as they, some others do. Like an Aaron Donald for the for uh, the Rams, he's just got a he's got a tenacity and a, he's got a build to him where he's always going to make a play even when he's not. And that's the grittiness that you're talking about. You know, they started with the offensive line. For um, last year when they got Penny Soul, yeah, they had a good offense line with 
Frank Ragnar, who is a, who's a he's a he's a gritty guy too. You got Taylor Decker, another gritty guy who likes to use his power. Jonah Jackson was in the Pro Bowl. Then you add a guy like Penai Sewell, and it could make all it makes all the difference to the offense. It basically solidifies the offense line. So what they're looking for in the draft, someone who does the same to the defensive line because you win in the trenches ultimately. Yeah. And yeah. you've seen that in the Super Bowl because the one team that protected their quarterback the most won, and the one who got after the passer the most won the game. Yeah, and when we talked about that. We we talked about the importance of the de- you know of the defense, and not only you know we saw that played out in the Super Bowl, but we even said the Lions need to build that way, and they're going to have to get you know some size up there on the defensive line, and um, some guys who are going to protect you know what we you know what their play is going to be so we talked about that and i think that if the lions continue to head in that direction they protect the play they get their defense in order um i think you may see even jared goff improve his game a little bit because you know he's knows he's got you know he's got a defensive line that's not going to make you know it's going to make sure that whatever strides they make they don't give it away yeah because i think one of the problems with the lions last year was um their defensive line didn't get after the pass there enough, especially right. when Aguaro went out yep. with the injury. They really struggled to get to the pass there. And I think when you're given a quarterback all that time, you, it could be me and you in the backfield throwing the ball. Right. So you can make passes because if you're not getting after the passer, you're not going to win many games. Yep. And I think you just hit on what I believe is going to be a key for the Lions next season and their um, – likelihood of success and that's going to be staying healthy all right and that's that's a big part but they're going to have to need that they're going to need their draft class to be really really good i think if they nail a draft i think you can see them being an eight seven one team anything better than this season and i'll take it joe it's trending up all the teams in detroit are trending up except maybe the pistons yeah yeah but next we will talk to rubbings who are definitely trending up they are really playing spit hockey. My boys are getting tough. We will talk about that in the next segment. Join us there. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. We are talking the Red Wings. Yes. Why such sad music? They are rocking it, man. This gets hyper and hyper. This is Eminem. Oh, jeez. Why do you always play songs with long intros? Because you have to. The Red Wings are playing till they collapse. I got to give you that. You know, I'll tell you, watching that game against Minnesota, um, here's what I noticed, okay? Takeaways from the game on Minnesota. By the way, they had a great run coming up into that game. They were on a winning streak. They'd done great against Philly, taking both of those games. And um, that was awesome. Awesome making history there, right? Had first time in whatever, two yeah. dozen years. Right, that 1997. they, yeah, I mean, what was that 30 some years, yeah. right? That they had, um, or whatever. I mean, I don't know, long time, long time, long time, 25 to 30 years, whatever. A lot of the Rebels weren't even born yet, exactly. That's a good way to look at it, you yeah. know. And so that was encouraging, right? But we talked about this last week, Joe. I said they've got a tough schedule coming up that we knew it was going to be it's rough. a brutal schedule, it, it really is. And it started with, schedule in the NHL. Yeah, and it, exactly, and it started with Minnesota. And their game against Minnesota, yeah, they lost. But what I saw out of the Red Wings when they played Minnesota is I saw hustle, I saw tenacity, I saw tough play. I thought it was great. It was the first time we saw the Bruce, uh, you know, the Bruce brothers, right, yeah. on on that line together. And did I not say, Joe, in last week's segment? I wish people would stop questioning us. You know, they they go on and on about, oh, well, where'd you get that information? What's your source? Don't worry about it. Right. Folks. Don't worry about it. We got people. Right. Right. And, you know, and we've been proven time over and over. We've been right time nailed, and time we again. We nailed Jeff Flash will come back. We nailed Anthony Mantha getting traded. We nailed every one of these. Every stories. major event that yeah, the Red Wings have had stories, for the have, last year. We have got there first. We got there first and panned out. And I'll tell you, the we told you that they were going to probably play 
um, the Bruce brothers on the same line. Sure enough, that's exactly what, what yep. Jeff Blaschel did. So, you know, uh, we talked to you about, you know, Zadina. Let's talk about our Zadina call because, you know, we've been getting a lot of, I don't want to say hate, but we've been getting a lot of skepticism uh, on the Between the they Whistles went, page. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of skeptics out there that are questioning where we came up with the notion that Zadina was put on the top line only as a placeholder until Jacob Verona got back because he was getting ready to come back, yep. and they wanted to kind of just throw him in there to see what he could do. And they wanted to boost his confidence, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we talked about why Zadina was on the top line and uh, with Larks, and I think it's been really good for him. I really do, but he's not going to stay there because that spot is for Jacob Verana because I'll tell you, my Red Wings insiders told me, and Joe, I think they told you the same thing. They said, when I told them I was encouraged by what I was seeing with the Red Wings, they said, wait till Jacob Verana comes back. Yep. Wait till Verana comes back, and then you're really going to see something. So I have been waiting with bated breath, anticipating the return of Jacob Verana, and that's how I knew that Zadina uh, was not uh, going to be placed on the top line uh, for purposes to stay there. Yeah, I think that, I think the, the same thing. You know, one of the things I see out of the Red Wings, and I, I don't know if you see it the same way, but one thing that I see out of the Red Wings that we haven't seen out of them in quite some time is the way they play, the toughness and the, the way they're skilled. They're getting better, and they're getting better every way around it. The younger kids are playing a lot better. Cider's becoming more of a polished player. You look at like a Gustav Lundstrom, he scored his first goal yesterday. You know, when you look at the rebuild and, and how it's going, it's it's on like it's on pace to be really, really good. Problem is, kinda like the Tigers last year, is it started a little bit they got they hit their walls a little bit too soon. Mm-hmm. And they basically, you know, they're playing catch up. You know, Boston is uh, has a couple games in hand, and they're seven points up. But you could really make that up because you're playing Boston quite a few times. I think the Red Wings, when they get Ron back, I don't think people understand the impact that it will have on the Red Wings. Not just as a offensive unit, but I think as a puck possession unit, they're going to have more. They're going to they're going to have two real good lines. Woo. Whoa. That was my phone going a little crazy, putting out some crazy stuff. They have two good lines, and then you get you you can bump down some other people to the third and fourth line, and then you're in scoring. See, one one of the things that Blashill uh, hit on is right now they don't they, they they get good scoring on their top line. Their second line's a little bit sometimes they they're inconsistent, and the third and fourth line they need more consistency out of. They need more guys pitching in and getting and getting points. Well, you know, here's the thing. He, we've been talking about, but I think they're getting there, Joe, because we've been talking about the development of the Red Wings depth. And that's the other thing that I want to point out against this, uh, you know, team in Minnesota is the other thing we saw in that game is we saw everybody scoring. Yeah. You pointed out, you know, uh, you know, you see Larkin scoring. Yeah, Larkin scoring. Lindstrom scoring. Lindstrom yeah. scoring. Gagne uh, participated. You got uh, who else scored that game? I mean, you had four different guys scoring, and they weren't the guys who you expected. Cider. Yeah. Well, Cider, Larks, uh, Gagne, and um, and uh, Lindstrom. I yes. mean, th those were your scores. Now, you expected out of Larkin. Yep. And I'll be honest with you, I'm getting almost expected out of Cider because the guy's just a stud. I, I expect I expect Cider to be on the score sheet. Oh yeah, but every, now every you got a, but now you got a couple now you got a couple other guys and their half their goals are scored by guys who you know you don't really hear or see a lot from. So um, I think that is a testament to the development of the depth that the Red Wings are are coming up with, and that is good news going into this. Even though it's a tough schedule here, the tough as you pointed out, tough in the NHL. But look, now they've got performers showing up that you didn't expect to see, and that I think is a very good sign. You know what I liked about the Red Wings, though? I, what I really loved about the Red Wings last night was when they gave Benton that goal, and they mm -hmm. were on the ice for, like, almost three minutes. Larkin, Raymond, Bertuzzi, Cider. They were on the ice for a long time. And they would give Benton that goal. They were literally pissed off. They were mad. Yeah. They were mad at the result. They were mad at the way it went down. 
you've seen Larkin take get to the bench and just like take a stab at the ground with a stick, basically breaking it. And then you know afterwards, Larkin echoes what he was feeling like. He's like, "That's a game we should have won. We didn't win because you know we." Well, because they were playing so well. When you go up two, they goal, were playing when you so go well. up two goals on a team, you expect to win. That's what Larkin says, and and he goes, yeah. and I love this. I love the quote that he said though. He says, "We can't do that for the rest of this season. If we want to get where we want to go, we can't have those those lapses where we give up the points, we give up the goals, and we're in." We're in a tie with them. You know, some of these teams are very, very good that we're going to be playing. And we're going to be on our game and make sure that we play a complete one, you know, 360 game. Absolutely. And he understands. Here's the other thing. And and you hit on something I want to talk about, Joe. And that is the demeanor of the Red Wings when they lost. They were, their demeanor speaks to... They are beginning to believe in themselves as winners. They're seeing themselves that way. And I'm so encouraged by that because what's happening is the way they're seeing themselves, the way they believe in themselves, they see that they're getting better, they're executing plays better, they're getting, uh, you know, they're strengthening up their areas. They're beginning to believe that they can win and they, they should be. They're expecting to be there. And that is a huge difference, huge difference between this team this year and last season's team. Yeah, well, you know, that's a testament to the culture that they're building with Glashow and uh, all those guys, you know. Say what you want about Glashow, but the, the reality of the situation is he's kept these guys together. And now he's got them believing, and they're young, they're a young group. If you got a young group believing, I mean, that's, especially this part, late in the season where, you know, you're out of the playoff race right now, but if you make a run, you get Verona back, and you start making winning some games... You could easily find yourself two points out of the playoffs well, like that. There you go. There you go. The Red Wings have made this kind of progress, and they're showing this kind of performance without Jacob Verana. And Stetcher. And Stetcher. When Stetcher came back to the line, that was a key. Yep. You notice the difference when he came back because he moves the puck pretty good. He makes the right plays. And I think we're going to hit on this too, but I think that the uh, Red Wings are going to be making a move at the deadline. I think they're absolutely going to be making a move too. I'll tell you though who they're not gonna what move they're not gonna make. I think they have shown that Nedeljkovic is going to be their goalie of the future. He yep. can handle everything they've got coming at him, and they've just got to tweak this up. I think it's just a, mi- a matter of a couple minor mechanical um, uh, you know, adjustments. Cons- and he's got to be more consistent. You know, one of the things yeah. that we talk about all the time is you know consistency. And Nadalkovich, you know, there's games where he looks really, really good. Well, he's still so young. Right. It's, it's going to come, you know. Yeah. And goalies are a weird breed. Oh, yeah. Um, I speak for myself. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, goalies are a weird, a weird breed where they, they'll get hot out of thin air, and then you're like, what the hell happened? You know, like, we've seen it with, as rubbing fans, we've seen Dwayne Rollison come into the Joe and steal two games at, at home and then take it back to Edmonton to close it out. You know, we've seen guys come into Detroit, like a J.S. Jaguar, when, when they came into the, the, the Joe. He came in, he's, he's, I think he stopped 55 of 56 shots. I mean, these, sometimes these bullies get on this, this weird little roll that they just they can't find themselves out of. See Jordan Bennington uh, a couple years ago with the Stanley Cup champs, you know. No one in their right mind thought that they were a Stanley Cup championship team. Right. At that point in time. No one. And they, they, Bennington got a little bit better. Team got a little bit better. They started believing in themselves. And then they found themselves winning playoff series that they really had no business winning. But they believed in the process and they they made do of it. Yeah. And, you know... If you look at all of the, the all the players that the Red Wings need production out of, they're getting it. Dylan Larkin, he's leading in goals, he's second in assists, leading in points, and he just went north of 50 points. So that's great. We're halfway through the season, he's north of 50 points. You know, one of the things I talked about wanting to see out of Dylan Larkin, and one of the things that I he's think... He's 60 points. But, but what, yeah, and he's going to get it. What's even more encouraging is we're halfway. He's now crossed over north of 50 points. And one of the things that I talked about, oh, it was a couple of months ago, is look at Stevie Y during the heyday of the 
Detroit Red Wings in the late 90s, you had Stevie crossing 100 points regularly every season. Mm -hmm. Well, Dylan Larkin's on his way. Yeah. Dylan Larkin is on his way to being Stevie, another potentially Stevie Wide Jr. I'm not going to say Stevie Wide. Nobody can take the place of my Stevie Wide. Right. Right. But he's certainly on his way to getting very, very close to coming up on those 100-point seasons. And once you've got your leader who's crossing 100 points a season, it's going to be real difficult for that team to fail. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 in that that means that the team is playing really really good, and I think I think one of the things that Dill Markin has done really really well is the way he's played, the way he's made the right decisions, the way he's played the defense, and he's played two ways, and he's made all the plays. You know, he's not just a, he's not just scoring; he's stopping people from scoring. And I think that's one of the things that you know CBY did great when he was in when he, when the Red Wings were winning. Zetterberg did it, Datsuk did it, and it's you can see Raymond is starting to become more of a defensive kind of guy. Oh, heck, Raymond, don't, you know, I, I mean, I know he was your guy, Mo Sider was my guy, Raymond was your guy, but I'll tell you, both of them are outstanding. But when you look at the leaderboards, you've got Raymond in the top three in goals, assists, and points yeah. for a rookie. Now, if that doesn't give you faith and and excitement about the future of the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. I don't know what does. And Stevie, of course, had the foresight to sign him to a three-year deal. Yeah, and the thing about the thing about Lucas Raymond is he's getting better defensively. You talk about offensively, but like you steal momentum from another team when you can take the puck away from them in their own zone. You know, one of the things that he's done really, really well, Lucas Raymond, he's got like six takeaways in the opposition's end. You take six of those pucks away and three of them end up back in the net. That's a that's a win every time. Absolutely. And take a look at this. Talk about talking about two way players. Talking about players that you just see production and production and production out of. Guess who leads in assists? Our defenseman, Mo Sider. Mo Sider is our leader in assists. In fact, the top two out of the top three in assists. Our rookies, Mo, the Cider and Raymond. Yeah. And then we've got Larks right in the middle. So, I mean, how can you not get excited about the future of the Detroit Red Wings? I think more so, it's a good time to take a look at them here halfway through the season because you look and see what the future holds and you can't be anything but excited. I think that if the Red Wings would have had Jacob Verana from the, the beginning of the season... season they would be in playoff contention, no I, doubt. I, I think you know this. The thing about the thing about the, the the Red Wings is this is a tough division to play in. The Atlantic is one of the toughest divisions to play in. You got the Toronto, Florida, Tampa, uh, Boston. Yep. You have uh, you know Montreal's falling off, but you have you have those those teams that are just really really good teams that are playing very very well. I for you to be in the top five. Of those that grouping, I mean, it's you. You're playing good hockey because you're you're keeping up with the Joneses and you're make, actually making some good some good headway towards uh, winning. So you know, we talk, we keep talking about this tough schedule they've got coming up over the next couple of weeks. The next three games they've got over the next two weeks here, they've got the New York Rangers, they've got Colorado Avalanche, and they've got Toronto. Which one of those do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for the Detroit Red Wings, and which one do you think they have the best chance of beating? Go. Okay, I think that the Colorado Avalanche win that 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 could be a tough game for them, um, just because of the speed and, and the depth that the Colorado Avalanche have. They're a very very talented team. They can be beat. Um, but you know, I really like the Rangers. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think that's a game where you could go. You know, that's a chance that you have to, to win. It's at Madison Square Garden. It's at Madison Square Garden, so you have every right to. Uh, you have every right. To, that's a that's a prestigious place to play, and I think certain players get amped up for that game. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of a different take on this. Um, I think chances are the game they're going to lose is going to be Toronto. Uh, I think they lose anything they're going to lose against Toronto because of the uh, Canadian 
impact of the COVID requirements of who can play and who can't play. We won't see Burton that game. Is that the home game though? Oh, is that a home game? Yep. Oh, well, then in that case, I still think that Tor- they're going to lose to Toronto because Toronto comes here, they tend to beat us. See, I don't. I think I think Toronto is a winnable game. I mean, if you watch Toronto, they have not played good lately. They're kind of struggling. The team I worry about is if you go if you go to March first, Carolina. That's going to be a tough game because you talk about you talk about a murderer's row. Oh God, yeah, that next week, Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Florida. Yeah, but you go you go Colorado. Toronto, Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Florida, and two of those games are away. It's about... By the way, I think we're going to beat the Rangers. I think we're going to beat the Rangers. I think we're going to lose to Toronto. I think that they will beat Toronto and New York. You think they're going to lose to Colorado? Yeah. Okay. I think... Because, you know, one of the key players for the the Avalanche that they really didn't expect was Nazim Kadri. He's been playing very, very well. They got a defense. Their goaltending is kind of shaky at times, but uh, they can put the puck in the net, and that's that's kind of worrisome because if Ned's out on his game, all these teams can light him up, you know. Yeah. So so you're not liking the Carolina game, even though it's at home. I'll tell you the one I think we're, and uh, I'm going to be at this game. I'm going to be at the Tampa Bay Lightning game in Tampa Bay on the on the fourth of March. Yeah. So I think they're going to. I would likely. I would usually say that. That would be a loss all day long. The right. Wings go to the, go to Tampa Bay. They're playing down there with the Bolts in their home. They're going to lose. But the Motor City Ice Queen will be there, Joe. And what happened when I went down to Florida? During the Florida Panther games. That's right. And they then won. we beat them. So I think that the very fact that the Motor City Ice Queen is going to be in Tampa Bay could have uh, could tip the scales in the favor of the Red Wings. And uh, there's a chance I might even be at the Florida game the next day. So I like, I like the we'll chances in the Florida game way more than I like the Tampa. Oh, I agree 100. I think, I think they. I agree. When they, I think they got a little bit of confidence playing those two teams the way they played them early in the year. Yeah. And I think when they get Verona back, I think that's going to be a very added dimension that that all these teams haven't seen. And you really don't know how that can go because if they get Verona back by like the Colorado game, who's to say they don't go on a a, a big run? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's certainly a factor, um, and um, that's it's, you know. But I, I think that uh, we have an interesting question that just came into us on the wire here, and I, uh, I think it's an interesting question for us to talk about. And that is, if we don't make the playoffs, do we keep Dylan Larkin? I think. It doesn't matter what we want. Stevie Y likes Dylan Larkin. Stevie Y is going to keep Dylan Larkin indefinitely unless he either gets severely injured or he trashes himself, uh, you know, just trashes the performance. I don't think money's going to matter. I think Stevie's going to give him what he wants. Yeah, I think uh, Stevie, picked, Stevie picked him for a reason, to be the captain. And he's gotten better, and you're not going to get rid of a captain like that who's played so good. And been such a leader in that locker room. For who? Who's gonna who's gonna be the captain besides Larkin? If you if you like didn't want to pay him. Yeah, well I mean I think you've got a couple of these young guys who could certainly give him a run for his Yeah, money, but, but I think I think I think though see, this is one of the things that, you know, I've been seeing on these little message boards and all that stuff, but you know, one of the things that people are kind of forgetting about the whole process of being a captain is you gotta be you gotta have the experience, you know. You gotta have the experience. I don't really think that a, a, a captain should be assistant captain or a captain should be a young player, unless it's a Stevie Y. And there, I was gonna say I think Stevie was nineteen. There, you don't there, get much younger than that. It hasn't been shown that there's a guy like that on this team. I mean, if you really want to say someone, it's probably like Cider, but you always want to keep your your centerman because those are. You need centermen in NHL, and if you don't have centermen, you're 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 going to be in a bad situation. I think these next two weeks on the calendar for the Red Wings, or three weeks, let's say, these are going to be pivotal. These yeah. are going to make or break their season. Yep. And this is going to make or break their ability to make the playoffs. And their ability to make moves at the trade deadline. Yeah. So, what do you think they're going to do at the trade deadline? Now, this is a little bit. We haven't had a rumor show in a while, Joe. But uh, this maybe is a little bit of a mini, a mini rumor show, just with the Red Wings. What's going to happen at the trade deadline? 
if they're they win some games before the trade deadline, I could see them buying. Okay. I could see them going to get a defenseman. I think there's one defenseman in particular that has hometown roots with Detroit, who could be a guy that they picked up at the deadline or maybe earlier. I think I think Stevie Y is going to swing a deal with the Canadians for Petrie. Now I saw that when we posted it on Between the Whistles, of course, on our on our Facebook page, which by the way, I highly recommend for those of you who are enjoying the podcast, you know, obviously subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, um, YouTube. You can find us in any of those places. But um, follow follow our page, definitely. Between the Whistles Detroit, not only are you going to find about, about the Red Wings, but you're going to get information on all your Detroit teams as well as U of M and Michigan State. Um, it is the one of the best places to go for you know kind of your one-stop shop for Detroit sports so between the whistles Detroit you obviously see the Cindy and Joe show on there as well but um you had put out a post about that specific thing happening and uh you got a little bit of uh, I'll call it more skepticism about that people aren't believing it they want to know where where you're where you're coming from on that one by the way I had heard similar things in fact longtime sports reporter and friend of mine, Bill Roos. Hi, Bill, if you're listening out there. Uh, one of the first reporters embedded with the Detroit Red Wings um, said that even, you know, Ken Holland had even toyed with that idea as well mm-hmm. of uh, bringing Petrie back home. So this is not the first time that this has been heard of or that the Red Wings have considered this. So what he's are your got, thoughts? He's got a modified trade clause. Yeah. So he can pick teams that he wants to go to. And, and I heard he wants to come here. And he wants to go to Detroit. Yeah. And... He really wants to be home because his dad lives in Michigan. Obviously, the former great Tigers pitcher Dan Petrie. Yeah, World Series guy. And if you look at you look at the Rebels, if they can get a defenseman like Petrie, who has term on his contract, that could be absolutely huge. And I think that's the kind of thing that Stevie's looking for because you know he's not looking for the guys necessarily who want these long you know monster contracts. He might be able to get really some great value out of a guy like Petrie where he can pick up the last couple of years on a contract and be done. And wants to, and he wants to be here too. Exactly, a guy who wants key, to be here. I mean, yep. one of the things that Petrie does really really well is he's been a little bit inconsistent in Montreal, but Montreal's just been a bad team this year, and they're just fire sailing the whole thing. I found it very, very interesting that they just released the promo the Montreal Canadiens did, and they didn't put Jack Petrie on their promotional thing. Interesting. You know, it's these other, all these little things that people have to look for. You know, I was talking to someone about this recently, and I said, you know, you, when, you, when you read in the papers about, you know, uh, somebody's spouse is looking at homes or, you know, the, the kids are, you know, talking about, you know, sometimes it's the kids who will out you, right? Yeah. I mean, my kids out me all the time, right? So it'd be like, maybe the kids will out you and say, you know, hey, I'm looking forward to uh, going to school with my, you know, cousins or whatever. And you're like, oh, really? You know, so um, there's a lot of these incidentals you got to kind of look for and hints, but... Uh, we do have some insiders anyway who who work out some of these deals, and um, and I think that Petrie is a good fit. Also, I think it makes sense, and uh, I would not be surprised to make that move either. Who else are you thinking that they might? Uh, any other moves you're thinking they might? Uh, you think might get rid of anybody? Think we might drop anyone? What do you think about Zadina? You think we're going to hold on to him? Or do you think we're going to let him go? I've heard this little tidbit of rumor, but um, Vegas needs to shut payroll. Yeah, a little bit, um, and now that they're interested in the Mark Andre Fleury sweepstakes, they've entered that little sweepstakes to get him back because Robin Leonard's hurt. Mm-hmm. Look for something with Vegas too. Could be if Danny Dandenoff, their forward, he's got a term on his deal. Riley Smith, he could be the guy that they get to, but Vegas is going to need to trim some payroll to get their guy flurry if they want to get him yeah and jack eichel comes back too so they're gonna to have to trim some little bit of payroll if you're a cby why not pick up the phone and be like see what you can do because they need to trim payroll yeah the ball is in your court what you want to do. absolutely and you know and that's one of the great strengths that stevie has is that's what he did with the fabric trade absolutely yep that's exactly what he did because they were up against it and they needed to trade forward because they were trying to bring up their you know their young forward that they were trying to bring up and that's when CVY got 
Bobby Fabry. Yeah, I think, and I think if you see Stevie make a trade, I think you're going to see him make a trade for a defenseman. I think he's going to make a trade for a defenseman and forward. Okay. I really do. I think Vegas is going to be the one that they look at. I think. I think the Rebels have the cap space to do it. I think uh, Vegas has a lot of things that they want to do, and if they want to do it, the ball's in their court, and they have to make the move. What do you think about coaching staff? Do you think they're going to be making any changes here uh, coming up? Do you think they're going to make any adjustments? If they're going to make any adjustments, it's going to be, be more puck possession-wise. They've been making really good adjustments, but their power play needs to be a lot better. I was about to say that the power play is still not where it needs to be, and I don't think we're winning enough face-offs either. I think those two areas that we talked about them being weak, I still don't see them making that's, progress that's, there. That's one of the schematical things that could come to play when Verona comes back. You know, a lot of times, you know, when you have a even if you're a guy like Larkin, you're 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 taking the face-off. You're, you're trying to put it to your guy that you know that can move the puck. And if you don't have that guy that can move the puck, sometimes you'll make that you'll you'll misjudge the face off and try to put it where it's not, you know. I'm uh, I'm anticipating Verona's return uh, for the Colorado game. How about you? I think he will be back. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it for the Rangers. I think Toronto. Oh, you're you're thinking they're going to wait till Toronto? Yeah, I think they're going to bring him back to, for Toronto because I think that's a Big game that they need. Do you think it's going to matter whether they win or lose against the Rangers or Colorado, which will determine whether or not they bring them back sooner rather than later? Not really. Okay. I don't think that. I don't think they're going to rush him. So if he does come back and he gets hurt, I don't think that's going to do anything good. So I think they'll hold him out until Toronto, and I think he'll be back, and I think he'll be good for the rubbings because they get a critical player back. Oh, he's going to be a game changer. He was when he got here, and he still is. And uh, let's see what we can do. Looking forward to watching this uh, next couple of weeks here and reporting back on where the Red Wings are going to take us this season yet. We'll see what happens in the coming week. Looking forward to it. And we will see you next week as we talk our sports book. We were going to talk Pistons, but there's really nothing to talk about. They're garbage. Uh, and did you see? <laughs> did you see? Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report tomorrow, and they're not. And we anticipated that. But we'll talk about that next week when we get more clarification. And obviously, our whole podcast has been presented by Wild Bills Tobacco. You find them at any location across the state of Michigan. And they've got everything you need, all of your tobacco needs. Joe knows because he's smoke, a chewer. Smoke freely, freely, chew deeply, vape lightly. All at Wild Bills. All at Wild Bills. And if you want the sweet, tangy weed, they got your favorite <laughs> weed pipes, too. Is Sounds like they got it all. They got the bombs. Visit Wild Bills. We'll see you next week as we talk more sports on Cindy and Joe's show. See, see you, you then. Next week.